Welcome to the favorites, the podcast from the Volume Podcast Network. It's Chad Millman, and it is Thursday. So that means it's time to enter the Thursday Thunderdome. On today's show, our special guests will compete alongside my co-host, my companion, my BFF, professional sports better Simon Hunter, in an epic test of wagers and wits that's quickly made this show the most valuable sports gambling entertainment property of the internet age. Simon, I don't even know if I want to hear what you have to say, because uh, I feel like somehow from our Tuesday podcast, when you were talking about whoever decides to marry you is going to have won some kind of contest, and I am out there preaching about the value of love and respect and good partnership, and somehow I feel like you're going to tell me that I'm getting ripped for it and you're a fucking hero. <laughs> a little bit. It's uh, I try not to listen back. I do listen to the show during the football season just to make sure I don't sound like an idiot. But I try not to listen back. And uh, you're right. I said chicks way too many times. An uncomfortable amount of times. I would say maybe we have three female listeners and two of them reached out to me. One of them said... She prefers chicks because it makes them feel young. Now, she says she doesn't like woman because man's in the word. And she doesn't like female because male's in the word. She thinks girls makes her sound childless. She said she's fine with chicks. And I said, well, meet me halfway. What if I just start referring to him as queens? So from now on, if I talk about my dates, I'll just say me and this queen went on to a date because I just don't want to hear from people. Retiring chicks. All right. We're retiring chicks. And I'm excited because I know you are going on a date uh, tonight. We've been we've been tracking your heartbreak on the Favorites podcast. We'll continue to do that. I know you have a big date with uh, Facebook uh, queen tonight. I'm excited to see how that goes. Today, Simon, you'll face two guest challengers. The first, Simon, before you were my BFF and my companion, David Fleming, who's a senior writer at ESPN, Many years ago, a senior writer uh, for Sports Illustrated. Before that, Dave and I shared an office at Sports Illustrated. And I think it's safe to say, before he was writing best-selling books, before he was uh, the most popular guest on ESPN's daily podcast, before he was going on to a Hall of Fame career as a member of the sports media, I was telling him how to write conclusions to his opening paragraphs. That's what I've done for Dave Fleming. And now I've gifted him with an appearance on the Favorites Podcast, Thursday Thunderdome edition. Hi, Dave. I'm the OG BFF. Is that what you're saying? You are the OG BFF. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. And is that what we're competing for? Your BFF status? Is that it? Is there, is there really a prize that is more worthy? Oh, I, gonna, I thought you were going to say is, is worth less. But yeah, yeah. I don't know about that. I think you guys, uh, we'll see what happens at the end. I will tell you, Dave, uh, I'm pretty much rooting for Simon. The other guest is going to make it interesting because we do share Chicago roots. He is a Chicago native. He is an Action Network NBA expert. He is a valuable member of our news team, a man who once said, Zach Levine is my religion. He smiles like he's never made a bet on the Minnesota Timberwolves, which I know is a lie. Mr. Michael Walton. How you doing, Michael? Uh, I am doing great, Chad. It is an honor to be on. As the new kid on the block, I got to say your friendship, that's a pre that's like a lot. So it's a lot of pressure. But uh, yeah, never saw Bulls money line. I didn't feel good about it. Uh, so as you can tell, I'm not doing, not doing great right now. But 
Glad to be on. I really appreciate it. You do have a tremendous amount to overcome. Dave and I go so far back. I was at his wedding and I remember very specifically when his wife rolled all the way down a hill and ended up going on their honeymoon with a pretty big shiner because of it. Big black eye. Yep. The staff at the at the resort that we went to kept pulling her aside, asking her if she was OK, if she needed, needed oh, no. to talk to somebody. She is a queen and she is the most important person in Davidson, North Carolina. Here's Please refer to her as a chick. <laughs> Here's how the game is played. Today, you'll answer two kinds of questions. First, traditional trivia questions about sports, sports betting and the world at large. Second, completely subjective and totally asinine open-ended questions or prompts that I alone will judge. Fair warning to both of you, Michael and Dave, I will find a way to root for Simon Hunter. To accumulate points, <laughs> you must answer the trivia questions correctly and also convince me that your responses to those open-ended prompts are better than the responses from your opponents because just like sports betting, you can't get them all right. Let's begin. Dave, this should be right up your alley because you have been writing about the NFL for so long at such a high level. I feel like you're going to have a good chance to answer some questions here. Okay. But you're not first. A couple of big changes in the NFL universe made headlines this week. Michael, yesterday, the NFL rolled out a new 17 game schedule. It's first increase in the regular season slate since 1978. That season, the $700,000 salary of this running back was by far the league's richest. Unfortunately for him, a civil jury found him liable for two murders in the mid-90s and ordered him to pay $33 million in damages. This one was pretty difficult. I was thinking for a while. I was thinking Earl Campbell or Barry Sanders, but I'm going to go O.J. Simpson. That was such good delivery because I swear to God, when you started talking, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? This guy doesn't actually know what like. Do you think Earl Campbell, who can barely walk, actually murdered people in the 90s? Well played. Dave, I remember back in the day, you did a phenomenal story about Kevin Green, and now Kevin Green just passed away, and like the guy's not that old. There was a cheesy family portrait in his basement when I went to go interview him, and he said, if you mention this in the story, I'll kill you. And I, and I think he meant it. And so, of course, and probably on your advice, I did put it in the story. And the next time I was in Pittsburgh, he like hunted me down from behind and scared the absolute crap out of me at practice. Dave, here's your question. The NFL has relaxed its rules governing jersey numbers and expanded the position groups that can sport single digit numbers. This now includes defensive backs. So Panthers rookie J.C. Horn quickly took advantage. He selected the number eight to honor this recently departed sports star, a personal hero to Horn. He, he grew up playing outside Philly. He will be inducted into the Hall of Fame this weekend. Kobe Bryant! <laughs> Dave, I don't know how you got that. It's Kobe Bryant. <laughs> Thank that, you! That is the right answer. Was your next well clue Kobe Bryant? His name is Kobe Bryant. Simon, Good. Seahawks wideout DK Metcalf competed in the USA track and field Golden Games this last weekend, running a respectable time of 10.36 seconds in the 100-meter dash. And although he didn't qualify for the Olympics, he did beat the 2016 Olympic time of the first ex-NFL player to compete 
in the summer games. That was former Detroit Lion, Javid Best, who represented St. Lucia, an island nation located on the eastern edge of this body of water. Caribbean, right? Caribbean, Caribbean Sea. Caribbean Sea, Simon Hunter. <laughs> Why am I on a sports show? And I all I do is know sports, and you're giving me geography questions. What is happening? Are you trying to set me up, Chad? It does seem unfair. It does seem <laughs> completely unfair. Uh, here's your prompts, fellas. Seahawks wideout DK Metcalf is a physical specimen at the top of his profession, just like you three. Dave also, also wrestled in college. But you have something else in common. You definitely won't qualify for the upcoming summer games, but we can still dream. Please provide or invent an Olympic event that with a little bit of moxie, you could A, qualify for, and B, become the betting favorite in by the 2024 summer games in Paris. For example, if hand modeling was introduced as a summer event, I'd capture the men's gold with zero effort. Simon, you're first. This is where you usually, you know, pull away. Yeah, this one's so tough because this is one of those, there's so many options. And I'm one of those people who I was never really great at anything. But when I was a little kid and I was fat, I was really good at eating funnel cake. Like I could go to a fair, I could knock out six funnel cakes and go on a roller coaster. I'd be fine. It, it was unhealthy as a child. So if I could go back in time and the eight, nine-year-old me could enter into the Olympics and I could eat funnel cake, that's the only thing I think I could dominate. Oh my God. The idea of you at some Eastern PA fair eating funnel cakes surrounded by mayor of East town accents, uh, murder, murder. I, uh, it's just making me laugh. Wearing your Pottsville Maroons jersey. That's right. Oh my God. This is becoming a testament to Dave Fleming, who's one of his <laughs> biggest selling books was about the Pottsville Maroons, one of the greatest pro football teams of all time. Yep. And they all ate funnel cake before each game. <laughs> I swallowed a lot of aggression along with some funnel cakes. Is that what, is that what we're talking about, Simon? Is that, is that the situation? We're listening. All right. Next up, Dave, guess what? You're next in the response. Funnel cake is pretty good. Yeah, funnel cake is going to be hard to beat. First of all, I'm pretty sure I could still qualify in wrestling. Those, those guys aren't <laughs> that tough for anything like that. No, not at all. And, well, so if I had to come up with my own thing, as the father of two teenage daughters, I really do believe, I honestly believe this, that I am in the world's 99.9% percentile in dad shopping. So if we could just make that an Olympic event, like I can crush an urban outfitters. You bring me in there, I'll get it. I got the outfit. I got the, I can get like the earrings that match the bag. I'm telling you, I'm, I wouldn't just qualify. I would win Olympic gold guaranteed. That's pretty good. As someone who is the father of two teenage boys and never has to shop, I can appreciate the challenge that that would require and the strengths and feats that you'd have to go through to become really good at that. So I will, I will have to consider it. Michael Walton, you got a chance uh, to pull it out. Anyone who knows me well, aside from the Chicago Bulls, my other team that got me into basketball is Duke. Um, get a lot of hate for it, but been sticking with them this long. So team I grew up on, one of the national championships, Duke's all-time leader in charges, Shane Battier with 111 charges uh, in his career. Absolutely bananas. And it's going to be a charge. 
Shane Battier draws his third charge of the game. So obviously basketball, you know, I'm not in that kind of shape. I'm not going to do anything there. So charge drawing uh, is my competition. Now, bear with me here. Obviously, we're doing amateur athletes like back in the old days. So no professional players, only amateurs, because I'm not a pro. Um, You start at the three-point line. The opposing player starts at half court. And I'm a master of angles. So I'm cutting down those angles. I learned from the Grayson Allens, the Jay Williams. So charge drawing specifically would be my competition. And I think I'm honestly adding a lot of entertainment value to the Olympics because even if I fail, everyone wants to see a guy get, you know, crushed by an athlete trying to jump over him and dunk a basketball. So I think my charge drawing is going to really show people my technique on the defensive side of the ball. I don't think the competition in a prompt has ever been closer because you were so specific about how you would do it and why you were inspired for this. I love the creativity do you get extra points for like style and distance so, traveled after you've yes, you do absolutely get points for the style. And that's where the Duke thing comes in because like, because of my mastery of angles, I'm not the fleetest of foot, but I'm slapping the floor and I'm still getting over there in time to cut it down. So I'm giving the crowd what they want. I think it's really going to be a good event. So you know what, Dave, I'm glad you asked that follow-up question. I'm giving it to Michael. <laughs> I'm giving it to Michael because he thought so hard about this. It's, it's almost as if, he truly imagined this was an Olympic sport and he didn't just think, how am I going to participate? But what is the end result going to be? What are the people who I am taking the charges from? How are they going to move on in life? He thought about the details like slapping the floor. Simon, funnel cakes are super funny. And I like to think of you as a pudgy little boy, but I feel like uh, Michael Walton and the level of depth that he went to engaging in the Olympic dream. We're giving it to Michael Walton. (laughs) Part two, appropriately named, given how this segment is ending, let's fight about it. One of the most anticipated spectacles of the summer arrives in just a few weeks with undefeated boxing legend Floyd Mayweather squaring off against social media maven Logan Paul in an exhibition boxing match. In Miami earlier this week, Logan's brother Jake incited quite a kerfuffle when he stole the hat off Mayweather's head after their press conference. To commemorate this latest chapter in viral fight content, we'll look back at a few of our favorite fights from the sports world. Michael, one of the most shameful chapters in Chicago sports fight history opened and closed on August 4th, 1993. On that day, this 26-year-old White Sox player charged the mound against Texas Rangers pitcher Nolan Ryan. Despite being a full 20 years older, Ryan put this third baseman and future White Sox manager into a headlock and punched him repeatedly in one of the greatest displays of dad strength ever recorded. Who was the player that was Um, hit? The player that was hit. The White Sox player that was hit. So it's funny because right off the top of my head, I'm pretty sure I got it. Um, And it's funny because my first guest, again, not trying to always throw you guys off the scent, but off the top of my head, uh, because of personal relationships, past things, I I wanted to say Ozzie Guillen, but even if that was right, I wouldn't say it because I don't think Ozzie would ever lose a fight or get punched, and I won't say that like on something that's going out. So, Robin Ventura. You are 100% correct, and I got to tell you, I thought you were going to say Earl Campbell. Simon. <laughs> <laughs> Simon, team chemistry is crucial to building a successful team, as we see here on the Favorites podcast. And the New York Jets haven't displayed much chemistry or success in recent years. Their only winning season was in 2015 when Ryan Fitzpatrick took the week one starting job 
from this young and unpopular quarterback after that player's jaw was broken by a teammate in a fight over $600. Who was that young and unpopular quarterback whose jaw was broken? Oh, my God. I know because I played with W so much back in the day on NCAA. Geno Smith. You got it. Ah, wow. Good job. Oh, Dave, this one is right up your alley. I was going to say Tim Tebow. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good guess. Dave, the most infamous brawl in NBA history is undoubtedly the malice at the palace. The 2004 melee between the Pacers, Pistons, and basically every fan in attendance that evening. After the dust settled, nine total players served suspensions, but four players were suspended indefinitely by the NBA the day after the brawl. The most famous of these primary four was Ron Artest, who served an 86-game suspension, the longest ban for an on-court incident in league history. The other three, two Pacers and one Piston, would eventually be suspended a total of 51 games for one point each name these three players i'm not even sure i can name a single indiana pacer ben wallace steven jackson jermaine o'neal awesome great you never question you never would have gotten that thanks Michael, for that another one of our favorite sports altercations featured the detroit pistons in an april 1990 game between detroit and the seven philadelphia 76ers Isaiah Thomas was ejected for punching former teammate Rick Mahorn. Late in the fourth quarter, a brawl erupted after Charles Barkley exchanged punches with this universally loathed bad boy Piston, a man so famous for inciting on-court violence. The video game that bore his name was called Combat Basketball. So, okay, if it's immediately who I think, he was a former slash current WNBA coach, so Bill Lambeer. Isaiah ejected, Rodman with a push on the horn. Lambeer follows with the ball, and then Barkley and Lambeer. Barkley gets in the left. Lambeer will come back with an uppercut. It was an ugly situation. Barkley went into the locker room and actually broke a toilet seat. He was so mad. Wow, very impressive. Simon, in September of 2000, this NFL wide receiver incited a fight the hatred of every football fan in Texas and a one game suspension from his own coach when he scored two touchdowns in Cowboy Stadium and celebrated each one by running back to midfield to stand on their iconic logo. T-O-T-O. Garcia to Owens, touchdown. Owens again heading for midfield. There he goes. There's going to be a penalty on George T because he's going to clock him. Now, Teague's going to be kicked out of the game. I got to tell you, I don't blame Teague for doing that. You got to have some dignity when you're playing this game. Do I get to tell my fun T.O. story now? Yes. When T.O. worked out in his driveway, that was literally down the street from where I live. I was there. You can see my uh, feet in the video. I remember that. True story. I was there for the T.O. workout in his driveway. Did you do anything? Uh, We were kids, so we were, like, trying to get attention, like, shooting fireworks off and stuff. I was like... I don't know, sixth grade. Were but no, we got cakes. Nope. I got like third. I got like 30 things signed by T.O. I got underwear signed by T.O. Anything you could think of, T.O. signed it that day. Wait, you took off your underwear and had T.O. sign it? And my socks, everything. I literally had him sign every single thing. Imagine Can the you- store if you had funnel cakes signed by T.O. <laughs> <laughs> 
Were you walking around the neighborhood naked? Always. Do people not do that? <laughs> well done. Dave, the most infamous punch in NBA history landed during a 1977 Lakers-Rockets game when Kermit Washington nearly killed this five-time All-Star who made a full recovery before becoming the only coach not named Phil Jackson to win back-to-back championships in the 90s. Rudy Tom Janovich. And we had non-believers all along the way. I have one thing to say to those non-believers. Don't ever underestimate the heart of a champion. Very well done, Dave Fleming. Prompt time. Professional sports leagues are jam-packed with world-class athletes who can absolutely destroy each of you in a fight. But let's not count you out just yet. Sell me on a pro athlete in any league that you could possibly beat in a fight. For example, after months toning up on my Peloton, I could probably take down one of the older bowlers on the PBA tour. I will tell you, Dave remembers this. One of the crowning moments of my career at Sports Illustrated is when uh, I covered the Johnny Petraglia Open in Brunswick, New Jersey, and then got the entire story killed. (laughs) And you had to leave our, we did this corporate boondoggle in Orlando that was like, they took the whole staff to a resort in Orlando, shut down like Universal Studios for us, and Jad had to leave early to go cover bowling. I had to leave early to go cover bowling, but it wasn't like I, I didn't, like I left 10 hours early. And so the, the last day of the trip on a Friday, instead of leaving at a normal time, like two in the afternoon, I had to leave at 5 a.m. I was sharing a room with Dave Fleming, who I went to bed maybe at like, two or three that night. An hour later, Dave comes in as the sun is rising and I'm about to get up to get my flight. Dave comes in. He's so drunk. He's, (laughs) you know, toddling around the room. And then I just hear this big thud. And then I hear Dave get up and he goes, "Uh uh-oh, I missed the bed. (laughs) Think of the feeling. It's pitch black. You think you know where the bed is. And you're like, I'm going to do the most awesome I'm going to sprint and do like a Superman dive into bed and it's going to be awesome. And then somewhere in midair, you realize your your trajectory is off and you've missed the bed completely and you hit the wall of the hotel room and then just go night, night right there. Yeah. And then, and and you, and you woke me up, but it's, it's a story that's persevered. All right, Dave, you get to go first. Name someone you can beat up in a fight. Honestly, it's not just one person. Just pick any professional soccer team, I will whoop all their asses. Just pick a team, send me there on a plane. I'll just walk into practice and just start kicking everyone's ass. Because honestly, if you touch one of them, right, they're going to fall down and start crying. Almost like if they were drunk and missed the bed. Michael, (laughs) Michael, your answer. Uh, So for this one, um, I was inspired uh, by the Floyd Mayweather, Logan Paul fight, big Floyd guy. I'm excited for him to absolutely crush, but I'm also inspired by the way the Paul brothers have marketed this because they give people fights where it seems like, you know, I will lose besides Logan who will lose. Um, So I want to give people a a good fight. So I'm thinking about a 19 year old NBA rookie, uh, Alexei Pokashevsky, a big NBA Twitter you know, draft nerds love them. Uh, so this guy's seven feet tall. So obviously it's like, Michael, what are you thinking? Guy has a seven foot three wingspan. He's 19. It's like, I'm done. But on his best day, like after a full Thanksgiving meal, soaking wet, a buck 90, maybe. 
Maybe. And this is a seven footer we're talking about. So um, I would take him on. It would be a sanctioned boxing match. And I think obviously he's got the reach. So the whole fight is maybe like six rounds of me trying to get inside. But once I get that inside position, guys, body shots on a guy that skinny, like, come on, 197 feet. So I think I'm, I think I got a chance. I'll probably lose because, again, he has a seven foot three wingspan. But I wanted a fight that's half entertaining and half like maybe I win, not just somebody I can, you know, beat up easily. So. That is such a good creative answer and also incredibly spot on, Simon. I have zero chance of winning the answer so evil, but this is what you wanted, Chad. You asked for me to beat up someone that's a pro athlete. So I found a guy who is the best bow and arrow shooter in the entire world, but he has no arms. He shoots with his feet. So if I'm going to fight someone that I'm going to win in a fight, I know it's horrible, but this is the guy I will be able to beat because I don't think I can beat any real pro athletes. I don't think I'm in good enough shape. So I have to take it where I can get it. And, uh, I just purchased a one-way ticket to hell for answering this question. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, karate kick you in the face. I got to give it to Michael again. He's, like, dominating right now. I, I honestly feel like I should give half of the point to Simon. Like, he went out on a limb there. That's a that's a spicy answer, but I, I do. I'll, I'll take the point. But I just – I want to give some props to Simon. I was like, whoa, that's, that's – I didn't think about that. That's a good one. That's a good one. I'm dark. I'm dark. <laughs> he's, in a, he's in a bad place. All right. I am. Right now, here's the score. Dave, you have one point. Michael, you have five points. Simon, you have three points. Well done. Part three, here we go. You're in it to win it. You're in. The 146th running of the Preakness is this weekend, but people are talking about the second leg of the Triple Crown for all the wrong reasons. After a failed Kentucky Derby drug test has gamblers and racing fans fuming. But before we dive into that, let's remember some of the most memorable drug tests in sports history. Michael, in 2017, Jets wide receiver Jeremy Curley received a four-game suspension for performance-enhancing drugs. Curley denied knowingly taking any substance and then blamed it on ghosts, saying there are a lot of ghosts around here. Ghost put it in there. You know, the ghost of Christmas past. Along with Ebenezer Scrooge, the ghost of Christmas past is a character in this beloved 1843 Charles Dickens book, which has been adapted into several Holiday films of the same name. What is the book? Ooh, wow. This is the first one where I'm like, all right, I'm just going to think and fire one out because I feel like I do know this, but off the top, I don't. So is it A Christmas Story? So close. A Christmas Carol. Mm. A Christmas <sighs> Story, one of the most legendary films uh, from mine and Dave's generation in which a young boy gets <laughs> his tongue stuck on a frozen pole. Not quite Dickensian, but also not written by Earl Campbell. Dave, in 2010, Olympic gold medalist LaShawn Merritt avoided a career-threatening suspension by proving his failed drug test came from Extends, a sexual enhancement pill he purchased from a 7-Eleven near his house. Before Extends paid $6 million to settle a false advertisement lawsuit, their most famous pitchman had been this famous football coach known for winning a Super Bowl in Dallas and a national championship in Miami. Based on the product that he was endorsing, the appropriately named Jimmy Johnson. I'm Jimmy Johnson, and I recently became the spokesperson for Extends, the number one male enhancement tablet. Most men want to perform the best they can in just about everything. Isn't that why we buy the biggest and best of everything? I say go long with Extends. I do. 
Wow. <laughs> nice use of a double entendre. <laughs> Simon, in 2009, Frenchman Richard Gasket famously, and maybe it's Gasquet, famously avoided a two-year suspension after convincing an independent anti-doping tribunal the trace amount of cocaine in his system was from the mouth of a girl he made out with at a concert the previous evening after he'd withdrawn from an injury in the Sony Ericsson Open in this sport. Open? Uh, so either tennis or golf. I'll go tennis. Correct. That is one I wish I had used back in the day. All right. <laughs> Part three, prompt. Well, you'd have to kiss a girl first. Chad, to make it legitimate. Oh, see? <laughs> so glad we invited Dave on this podcast. Here we go. Here's your prompt. In defense of his horse, Medina Spirit, Bob Baffert said the Kentucky Derby winner's failed drug test could be due to eating hay soaked with incriminating urine from another horse. In the colorful history of failed drug tests, it's one of the most original and inspiring excuses of all time. Now, imagine you failed the drug test due to a banned substance of your choosing. Please give me your most original, outlandish, and at least quasi-plausible excuse for the failed test and clear your good name. Michael, you're first. I will just say on a random note, I do want to give a shout out to Bob Baffert for giving me more interest in horse racing than I've ever had in my adult life. So I do appreciate that. We always need a, a super villain. The, the best I could think of is I'm a huge caffeine guy, huge caffeine addict. Uh, I want to be amped in preparation for the charge competition in my big fight with NBA rookie Alexei Pokashevsky. Um, so I probably would be pounding a ton of Red Bull. Um, and in that case, they just came out with the new dragon fruit flavor. While my doctor does recommend that I get more serious as I get older about reading labels, um, it isn't something I do. So when I do test positive, you know, for human growth hormone or for a steroid of some sort, which is inevitable, uh, it will be because Red Bull's new flavor. So I'd be like, you know, that's something you got to take up with Dietrich Mateschitz and Coca-Cola. And if you nullify, you know, my test results, you're insulting Red Bull, one of our biggest sponsors, along with, you know, <laughs> the the grace of the Olympics. So I would definitely just go with the my energy drink and my trainer gave me an unknown supplement excuse. You guys, I got to say, even though he just said in his entire adult life and he's basically been an adult for about 10 minutes, Michael is bringing some serious, serious creativity a little worried about how much he's living in his head, but for this game, it's incredibly valuable. Simon, you're up next. Uh, I'm going to steal this from someone I actually know. Basically, people buy shampoo that is supposed to help them re like grow hair and get thicker hair, and there are some steroids in it. So he took he used it knowing that if he popped the test in college for sports, he could just show that it was because of the shampoo, not because he was actually juicing. So it actually worked. He got away with it for two different years in college blaming his uh, shampoo anytime he'd fail a test. Wow, that's pretty good too. And that's like practical real world advice. All right, Dave. Mr. Fine, we've been informed that you have tested positive for cocaine, mushrooms, <laughs> Viagra, Propecia, and steroids. How do you plead? Look, man, I was at the, the corporate party. Simon brought some funnel cakes. I just ate one funnel cake, at, but I didn't check to see what was in it. So it's not my fault. <laughs> Dave wins. Sorry. 
<laughs> it's just too good because I swear to God, I feel like I've had that conversation with him before. So it totally feels like something that he should get points for. Um, here we go. We are heading into the final round. Michael Walton probably deserves to win the last round, but he didn't. He's got five points. Simon, you've got four points. Dave, grand, grand entry at the end. Uh, you've got three points. So the topic for the final round, the hunter versus the hunted. First, you each have to say how much you want to risk. So first, close your eyes, hold up your fingers with your wager amount. Okay. As the NBA playoffs play in tournament looms, the Golden State Warriors are in an unfamiliar position. They're no longer the class of the NBA and instead will be a plucky underdog. As Draymond Green puts it, we were the hunters, then we turned into the hunted, and now we're hunting again. But 14 years ago, the Warriors proved their skill as big game hunters in the 2007 playoffs. They shocked the basketball world by taking down the top seed of Dallas Mavericks, one of only three eight seeds ever to do so. The 2007 Warriors team was led by Baron Davis and Monte Ellis and was coached by the beloved Don Nelson. Their general manager was a Brooklyn native and five-time NBA All-Star. Within five years of this upset, the Warriors wouldn't renew his contract as GM. He'd be inducted into the NBA Hall of Fame, and then the Warriors would retire his jersey number, who was the GM of the 2007 Golden State Warriors. Dave Fleming, you're first. Good thing I didn't wager all my points. No idea. No idea. How many points did you wager? All three. All three points on no idea. So you are down to zero. Uh, well, the good news is I guarantee you Simon Hunter doesn't know the answer. And he also wagered all of his points. <laughs> I mean, it is a game show. Yeah, so, facts. I'm at, I'm at zero points. I, I, I said Jerry West, but I know that's the wrong answer. It is the wrong answer. <laughs> Michael, you probably deserve to win the game. Try to so, be a little conservative. I don't think I did all my points. Now I feel This is bad. your chance. If you, even if you got it wrong and you didn't bet all of your points, you win the game. How many points did you wager? Uh, so I wagered uh, dose, two points. Two points. And your answer is? Al Adels was my best guess. Wow. You guys are all terrible. It's Chris Mullen. Chris Mullen. Wow. Dream teamer. Like one of the greatest college players ever. The funniest thing is it was right there in my face. And I think of him as a St. John, like former St. John's basketball coach. <laughs> so it didn't even cross my mind. You know, I was like, really? I forgot about that. Well, listen, Michael Walton, the youngest of the crew, uh, the most creative of the crew. You brought so much thinking to the game. You really went deep. We're going to have Appreciate to talk it. about how you're spending your time. Uh, <laughs> you are the winner of the Thursday Thunderdome. Congratulations. <laughs> I appreciate it. I would like to give this uh, time to just quick shout out to Patrick Williams, uh, humble kid. Anyone who in their rookie year in the league can navigate a jersey number change gracefully as he did. I got to give them a shout out. So, Dave Fleming, you are a class act, buddy. Thanks for coming on our podcast. My pleasure. And next time, maybe give me eight minutes to prepare. We had a guest blow us off. I called Dave uh, about 15 minutes before the podcast started and said, 
I'm looking for someone charming and funny and quick witted and everyone else is booked. Can you come on the podcast? <laughs> you know what? I'm so mad. I'm going to go look for a soccer team to beat up. <laughs> Meanwhile, Simon's probably just going to go drown his sorrows in funnel cake. Simon Hunter, we're wishing you the best on your date tonight. Before we go, here's a word from our fearless leader, Action Network CEO, Patrick Keene. It's so hard for me to sit back here looking at a guy out here hollering my name. When last year I spent more money on spilt liquor in bars from one side of this world to the other than you made. You're talking to the wheel of dealing, limousine riding, jet flying, son of a gun, and I'm having a hard time holding these alligators down. All right, this has been the favorites from the Volume Podcast Network. My thanks to our guests, ESPN's David Fleming, Michael Walton of the Action Network, Simon Hunter, my BFF. As a reminder, the volume is now on YouTube. We've got new stuff up there every single day, including clips and interviews from all the network shows. Subscribe to the volume YouTube channel at youtube.com backslash the volume. Rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and download and listen on Spotify. Thanks for listening. We'll see you Tuesday on The Favorites. Love you. Love you.